What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. I'm your host, Mike Milner, and today I was joined by Dr. Casey Joe Orbitas, who is new friend of mine that I met about six months ago, and she is somebody who uh, we share a lot of the same philosophies around mindset, and she brings a psychology background. Um, she has her PhD in psychology, so I was super excited for this interview because I knew we were going to get into some amazing topics. Uh, we kind of ran the whole gamut on mindset stuff. I mean, we actually didn't even really scratch the surface, but we got into some, um, you know, some stuff about growth mindset versus fixed mindset and some behavior change stuff, some advice for coaches, for clients. Um, You're really going to enjoy this episode. And if you do, we would greatly appreciate it if you could take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And Casey is at coach Casey Joe. So that is C-O-A-C-H-K-A-S-E-Y-J-O. Thanks so much. And if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the interview. So I met Casey, What is, it was like six months ago at a, I guess you could call it a fitness conference. And we proceeded between Casey, myself, and Sam Miller, who a lot of you know from the podcast. Um, we proceeded to crush about 12 donuts between the three of us. Um, so that was the first experience. Actually, I'm curious about that. Was there ever a time in your life where you would have had like food guilt or shame over doing that? Um, yeah, definitely. It's funny that we're at this like fitness conference, right? And are the ones who are running to go get donuts. Whereas like I'm not doing that when I'm at home, but I go and I surround myself with like quote unquote like influencers and fitnessy people and we go and eat donuts. Um, but so it's funny how that kind of works out. But definitely, so I think prior to kind of really understanding how nutrition works and knowing that you can kind of like eat with moderation and all of that, I definitely would have experienced a lot of guilt and it probably would have resulted in a lot of cardio the next day. Um, Luckily, there was no cardio after the fact. I don't even know if I went to the gym after that day. To be honest, I think we traveled home after that and just sat on a plane. Um, But yeah, there was a time in my life where that would have not been okay in my mind. Yeah, for sure. I can totally relate to that. Um, Pretty similar in that I used to, actually one of my first dieting experiences was um, receiving like a food list that was a yes list and a no list. And obviously donuts were not on the yes list, unfortunately. But the funny thing is I remember seeing like certain fruits and vegetables on the no list. So it'd be like apples were a no, sweet peas were a no, carrots were a no. And I remember being like, oh, this is so crazy. Like all these foods that I thought were good are actually bad for you. And like, it just highlights how much misinformation out there and then the impact that has because, you know, I used to, I remember I talked about this in a recent post where I actually was at a like family event eating like salmon and green beans, but green beans weren't on my yes list. So I actually felt guilty about eating something that's, you know, totally fine. Um, So obviously we're going to get into like all the mindset stuff, but I just think it's, it's funny how um, there's so much misinformation out there and it has such a dramatic impact on you know, the mindset, the psychology of nutrition. And that's kind of, you know, the direction that I want to take. Obviously, your background, um, where you've received your doctorate in that kind of field, that area. So why don't we start from the beginning? Talk to me about like, how you entered into the space and then why you decided to go that path um, and specialize in mindset. And we'll, we'll start there. 
Yeah. So it honestly didn't start with mindsets whatsoever. Um, when I was in, I guess I'll back up all the way through like high school, I started getting kind of into fitness through volleyball. So I played volleyball year round. It was my only sport. I'm not a sports person. I truly am not quite that athletic. So like volleyball was my one kind of trick pony. Um, so I played volleyball for a long time and that was kind of my exercise. I enjoyed it, but it was a lot of running. It was a lot of cardio. So that's like how I knew to exercise. So when volleyball kind of um, petered out and I left high school and moved into college, I realized very quickly I needed to learn how to work out by myself and not be pushed by a coach after school. So that's when I started kind of dabbling in like I had an app on my phone from Nike that would take you through like circuit training type workouts. Um, I would do like the same 15 minute arm workout like every two weeks, do a lot of running. Um, but yeah, so it was very cardio based, but I was really starting to enjoy it and starting to see just how much is out there as far as different modalities of of exercise, um, started to learn more about strength training and how it can benefit women, um, and all that. And I just fell like very much in love with it very quickly to the point where it like made me pretty much like the black sheep of my friend group where it's like, you know, those, um, like memes and stuff is like, Oh, I chose this bar over this bar. And I, so I was choosing the barbells over, um, late night trips to the bar with my friends. Um, and they didn't really understand. So it did kind of alienate myself a lot, but at the same time, it grew me to be a very like independent person. And I found a lot of strength within it. I obviously was feeling so much better, just my health, um, waking up every morning, everything was just like kind of falling into place in that regard. And I started to realize that so many people just didn't know what their bodies were capable of. They didn't know how healthy and how great that they could feel. And I wanted that for more people. I wanted that for my friends. I wanted to be able to show people like, this is the way this is, this is how you do it. Um, so that's kind of what got me into like the health and fitness world. But note at the same time, I was studying psychology, um, also getting a degree in sociology and public health. So where does like this all kind of come together? I actually like from all of this decided that like health and fitness was a hobby. People don't make money in health and fitness. Like that's just going to be there for me always. Um, but what I want to do is get my degree in psychology and either go into criminal psychology or be a prison warden. So this is an entirely different <laughs> kind of area of psychology, but actually showcases very well how broad psychology really is that you can take it in all these different directions. Um, so I got to know a lot of people at the Minnesota Department of Corrections. I went to the University of Minnesota for undergrad, um, was pretty sure that was the direction I wanted to go, and then started looking into grad school programs, master's degrees, some PhDs, wasn't really sure that's the route I wanted to go, and realized there's a lot of programs out there that connect psychology with like health, whether that's health behavior change, whether it's obesity, whether it's mindsets around um, health behaviors. There was so much of that out there that I just never even connected the dots. So instead of kind of going down this path of forensic psychology that everybody who watch it, like watches NCIS loves that stuff, I was special, I thought, because I love this fitness stuff and not everybody loves the fitness stuff, but everybody loves like these crime shows and everything. So putting kind of these things together, I was like, okay, I can take my background in psychology and sociology and public health and bring that into my passion for health and fitness and do that in grad school instead of trying to follow this other path, which I still think it would have been really cool to be a prison warden. <laughs> I just think it's such a neat job. Um, but I digress. Went to grad school. Um, so I, again, like I said, at the front of all of this, 
I wasn't really interested in mindset specifically. I was interested in just trying to learn how people behave and how that makes a difference for their health behaviors. Everyone knows they need to eat healthy. Everyone knows they need to exercise. Pretty much nobody's doing it or at least not doing it enough. Um, So why is that? And how do we make people do more of that? Because now I've gone through this whole experience where it makes me feel fantastic and love myself more and just like see my reality as something better than it maybe was before. Um, And was really curious on how we can actually get people to get there. So I came across a program at NC State. This is where I ended up going, and it was an applied social and community psychology program. Specifically, when so when you're applying to work with um, a specific faculty member in a PhD program, it's kind of like job interviews. So you go around the country to places that you apply to, and you sit down and you chat with the person plus many other faculty members, um, and they basically interview you, and you're also kind of interviewing them to see if you'd be a good fit. Um, And Dr. Jenny Burnett is who I went to interview with at NC State, and she did all of her work around mindsets. So she had done a lot of work with obesity, so looking at obesity as a disease versus um, something that you can kind of change and how that is like a growth versus fixed mindset lens. Um, And she's done a lot of work in a lot of areas relating to mindset specifically, whether it was like entrepreneurship or relationships, but I was very much interested in the obesity stuff. Um, and the body image stuff that she was doing. So I sat down, talked with her, loved her. <laughs> we hit it off. And that's a big part of it, right? You're going to spend like four or five, six, hopefully no more years than that um, with this person. So you want to like them and you want to get along with them too. So that's where I ended up going. I moved from Minnesota to North Carolina to pursue my PhD. And I just finished up this last August and here we are. That's awesome. I love that story. And there's like so many gems in there um, that I don't want to miss. So like the first thing that stood out was you talked about, you know, having a group of friends and then you were the one that was like kind of getting into fitness early and how that impacted your relationships. And I think that's an overlooked aspect in general. Um, speaking from personal experience, something that I've opened up about, I was previously married and our relationship was kind of like built on partying and like we met in college where it was like let's go out and get drunk together and like you know do all these things that college kids do um and then when i found fitness and you know really it's a it's a pretty dramatic change and when you don't have those things it can impact relationships and i see it a lot with my clients too that there's an unsupportive spouse or partner or a group of friends who are like constantly peer pressuring you into like come on just come out have a drink with us what's the big deal you can you can stop, you know, paying so much attention to your nutrition for one night and there's all this, you know, external pressure. Um, and, you know, I think it it really is something that not a lot of, I mean, it's, it's not talked about enough, the impact that it can have. So is that something that you kind of recognized early when you started coaching clients that we need to have this conversation about what that might look like for your social circle and your relationships and even, you know, for family members and that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I should probably touch on for everyone too, because you mentioned I'm also a coach. I am also a coach. Um, Throughout my PhD program, I was nutrition coaching as well. So I got my certification back in 2015 and have been nutrition coaching alongside getting my PhD. So I've been doing a little bit of both this and that way I was able to continue to kind of mash together the psychology and the health and fitness aspects of things and still get to learn more about like physiology, like physical science and everything that surrounds like nutrition science outside of my psych program. So um, as far as like social environment goes, yes, it's 1000% important. 
Um, something that's interesting to kind of think about it too is like evolutionarily, we grew up, grew up, we like, we were in tribes always, right? We were always surrounded by people, whether it's like family members, friends, like that's how we survived was to be around a lot of people. If you were kicked out of a tribe, you were eaten by a saber toothed tiger, whatever. Um, you did not survive without having your tribe. So similarly now, like we have these groups of friends and family that we adore. And if we upset them or feel like we're like breaking the like norm of the group, that's also upsetting to us. Um, so like, even if those rules aren't like totally laid out, but what you were saying about like, you have your group of college friends and like you were in a, a relationship with someone who like partying was like a big cornerstone of those relationships. So if you are no longer wanting to do those things, that pushes you out of the group without you even really like realizing it. And that you're breaking these rules that no one ever said, but are kind of like unspoken and just there. Um, so it can be very difficult, right? When we're trying to go through these like healthy lifestyle changes and our tribe is not on the same page. Um, so with my clients, when I have new people coming in who are struggling with that, it's actually something I put on their intake form to get a lot of like information right off the bat. Like, do you have someone who supports you? What does that look like? If you don't, like, what are the obstacles? What is something that we can work on? Um, because obviously at the end of the day and coaches who are listening and like, obviously Mike, you're a coach too. Um, you are not just a nutrition coach. Like you pretty much are a life coach. <laughs> so you're dealing with a lot of aspects of these people's lives, including their social environment and how much that can very clearly like hold you back from what you want to do or force you to stay somewhere that you don't want to be. And it's hard because these people are people that we love are people that we grew up with. Um, so how do we tell them like, no, I don't want to do the things that you want to do. I want to do this. And like, how do you say no to grandma every time she's shoving the cake in your face? Like it's, it's hard. It is. Um, so it is something that I have to work through with my clients. Um, we basically just always come back to like square one, like where did this originate from? Was it something like in your childhood that makes you feel anxious around these situations? Um, like how can you, have you even sat down and talked to this person about what you're trying to do about where your goals are, what you're trying to like see for yourself. Cause a lot of times I'll even um, talk to clients and be like, Oh, well, I haven't really had like a real conversation with them. I'm like, okay, that's step one. Like just talk to them. Cause that could change everything. They could, they could jump on board with you or they could be incredibly supportive, but if they don't know what's kind of going on in your head and you're just always tiptoeing around the norms of the tribe, that can be like a really big difference if you were just like to bring that out in the open. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think that's definitely the first step where most people almost assume that that person won't be supportive or that group of people won't be supportive because of the way that things have always been. But then we almost avoid that heart to heart conversation. Uh, we don't want to you know, upset them or we don't want to hear something that we don't want to hear. So it's like, well, I'm just not going to communicate it at all, which then you're just basing all of your decisions off an assumption with without actually just opening up and see saying like, this is really important to me, you know, as my friend, as my partner, as whatever, you know, role that person has in your life, you know, I would appreciate your support. This is why I'm trying to do this. Um, you know, even, you know, you make your own decisions, I make mine. But I think that, you know, oftentimes we just, we kind of avoid it because we're scared of that worst case scenario. Like what if they aren't supportive? What if they, they do think that I'm a different person because I'm trying to do this. So uh, I think that's such a good point about, you know, just 
first, let's start with the honest communication. Let's put it out there and see how they respond. And then if they're still not supportive, then we can, you know, start to have, you know, a different conversation about how to navigate that and maybe how to edit the relationship and only, you know, put yourself in situations where, um, you know, maybe instead of trying to always meet up on Saturday nights, you offer them, you know, Sunday coffee or something like that. Um, so I, and to your point about kind of how we evolved, even if we look at, you know, currently, if, you know, we look at studies on um, blue zones and uh, some of the longest lived people around, one of the most common things that they have when it comes to health is their sense of community and strong relationships. So it's not just about cutting off a relationship, although sometimes that's necessary or just thinking, well, this person doesn't care about their health, so I'm not going to, you know, continue this relationship. But you have, you know, part of your health also includes your connections, your, you know, your relationships, and that's a huge part of it. Um, so I hate to use the word balance because it's so cliche to say you need balance, but it really is a balancing act when it comes to how to navigate those situations. Um, the other thing that you mentioned as you were kind of introducing your path um, was the fact that you started to question like, why do people make these decisions when we look at, uh, you know, all the information is out there. You know, we live in a time where you can find anything you want in literally five seconds by doing a search. And uh, so it's not a lack of information, but it's why are people making the decisions that they're making? Why are we seeing, you know, obesity rates continue to climb and chronic disease continuing to climb? Uh, what is the, you know, driver behind these, these behavioral changes? Uh, and that's something that I noticed very early. Like people can, obviously studying physiology is great and knowing the nutritional science and exercise science and all of that stuff is fascinating but like there's a disconnect because it's all out there so what were some of the some of the like aha moments that you had early on when you started to dive into the psychology of the behavior change and and where that disconnect i know it's like a multifaceted such a loaded question but let's start to unpack some of those things and um any sort of like standout moments that you had early on in that process when you were when you were studying the psychology behind why people make these decisions. Yeah. And I think um, you'll like this because it all comes down to like, it depends, right? So it depends on the person. It depends on like personality. It depends on the things that they like and they don't like. Um, and that is why we have so much stuff out there is because one thing can work great for this person and something else could work fantastic for that person, but it doesn't work for the other person. So there's just so much information out there. And I think that that kind of causes like that paralysis by analysis situation. Um, and also that sort of like disconnect, right? And the more that like, we as like, coaches who have like, been coaching for years now, we are so interested in like this higher level nutrition and the physiology, like neurotransmitters and all of that. But it can be hard to take that higher level science because we've climbed our way up to get there and then bring it back down to someone who's like, what's the difference between a protein, a carb, and a fat? Like we can't just be throwing all of this at them either. So there is that disconnect in that just, it's just higher level science that a lot of people aren't ready for, but then they see all of this and it just turns into like massive confusion. Um, because one thing says like, oh, calories are the only thing that matters. Like that's the bottom of the pyramid. That's the most important thing. Where someone else says like, no, that's crazy. Like you have to pay attention to the quality of your food and blah, blah, blah. So it just gets very confusing very fast. And I think a lot of that does come though from um, people just being different and people liking different things and being able to adhere to different protocols. Um, some people really, really, really enjoy keto. Like good for you. If you can do that and you feel your best on that, you're, you perform your best on that. Um, you've achieved like your best physique on that. Like 
more power to you. There's no reason you can't do it. Um, whereas like other people like myself could never live without carbs. So <laughs> like that's never going to happen. Um, but I think a big part of that is just, it comes down to the individual person. And what I've learned kind of throughout my research and just like being in um, all these different courses that are higher level, like psychology based things and looking at um, like health psychology or behavior change, a lot of it just comes down to different areas of like motivation. So where is your motivation coming from? Um, Self-determination theory is like a very, very long standing theory in psychology that breaks down motivation into like extrinsic motivation, which is like external and intrinsic, which is more internal. And we know from countless, countless studies, especially in like the health and fitness world, that having more intrinsic motivation is what's really going to drive you to make the changes and sustain them long term. So for example, wanting to go to the gym because you're really excited to like hit that new PR on your deadlift. Like you think you got it today. Like this is going to happen. Like that's exciting. And then the feeling that you get when you do it, like just all of that, that's internal, intrinsic, internal motivation. Whereas something extrinsic would be like, oh, I need to go to the gym. I haven't been on a date a long time. I don't look good. Like I'm going to get out there and start dating again. I need guys to like me. Um, That's very external and extrinsic motivations. They're like tongue twisters. Um, So that obviously, and you can tell just like kind of by those two examples that like obviously the former, like doing this kind of for yourself is going to be like really what propels you to keep going in the long run. Um, So that's a big one that kind of like hit me in the face right away, as far as like kind of psychological constructs that we realize. And again, this comes down to like the specific person, right? Because what your intrinsic or extrinsic motivations look like are going to be very different from another person. So it all comes down again to like kind of figuring out where those things lie. And then digging them up, uncovering them, sitting with them, figuring it out, and then kind of going from there. Yeah, that's super interesting. Now, if we look at like statistics on dieting, most people, and I think it's, I might be a little bit off on the numbers, but I believe it's six out of seven people who try to lose weight will successfully lose it. And then when we look, project that out to how they do within, you know, I think it's three years, 95% of those people will have gained the weight back some plus interest. So if you're looking at six out of seven people being successful in losing initial weight, um, you know, we can probably assume that there's some reason why they're doing that. There's, you know, you have to want to lose weight to actively pursue it. So when we look at the, you know, motivation factor, what is their why? Do you think that it, most people start with some, some form of insecurity or external reasoning that causes them to quickly, uh, you know, realize that maybe there's not, maybe it's a lot harder than they think. Maybe it's going to take longer than they think. Uh, maybe that, you know, because changing your behavior and actually like rewiring your brain and, and establishing new habits and almost like disrupting your whole, um, you know, your whole routine and, and, you know, patterns of life, uh, all of a sudden it's like a rude awakening. Do you think that that's kind of where we see some of the disconnect from the beginning? I think that um, a lot of that makes sense from just my um, coaching perspective and what I've seen. Um, Because the folks that do like most people who really need to lose weight and are in a good place to lose weight, and that could be a different podcast to talk about who isn't and who is, um, both mindset and like physiologically. But um, people that are prepared to lose weight are at the stage of change where they're in a good spot to lose weight, um, maybe have some excess fat and are like primed to kind of like do that. 
um, they do lose weight and they will like see changes fairly quickly. First couple months, things are going great, but also they're hoping to lose 50 pounds and not like five to seven pounds that they did. Um, and then that's hard sometimes going back to like being a coach, you have to see like, okay, well, this person wasn't really consistent all the time. They didn't go to the gym as much as they were supposed to, but you don't want to just go back to your client and scold them, right? Like that's not going to get anyone anywhere. Um, so something that I like to kind of unpack for clients too, is I just ask them like, how long did it take you to get to the point where you are today that you don't like that you want to change? And they'll say, oh, well, I started gaining weight like 15 years ago. Then I kind of spend bald after my like honeymoon and wedding season was over and then blah, 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 all this stuff happened. So we're talking like this, like 15 year time span that brought on the excess, like 50 pounds that they're now trying to lose. Now it's been three months, they've lost seven pounds. And I'm like, this is pretty good. And like, not even with being very consistent, like good for you. Um, and they're like, no, I wanted to lose 50 pounds. And you kind of putting that just like into perspective for them. And asking them kind of like, how long did it take you to get here? Okay, 15 years. How long has it been? Okay, three months. Eh? You know, so they kind of put it together themselves. And that's something that I try really hard and I'm very intentional about with my clients is just like the right questions I'm asking them, um, the way that I'm communicating things with them. And again, this could probably be a whole nother podcast, um, but just like client to coach communication is really, really important in kind of getting people to realize where they are at. Um, and why they are there um, and doing so without you being like, this is why it's only been three months. Like, hello, wake up. You can't say that to them. <laughs> like you just can't. Um, that's not going to be beneficial for anyone. Yeah. Super important message there. And I always say this, like when I'm talking to a client and it's a new client, I, I'm upfront about the fact that they're in the driver's seat. I'm not going to make them do anything they don't want to do. I'm not going to make any decisions for them. My goal is just to make sure that they have the information available to make the best decision for them. And they're essentially choosing, you know, the path forward. So I think that's such an important point. Like if you can connect the fact that, you know, we're, we're laying out information and we're collaborating on the best way to move forward, but they are 100% in control. And, you know, one of the things that is, is such a challenge because let's just, you know, be blunt about it. Like our society is super weight focused and that message on you have to be small, especially for women that you have to be smaller, that, you know, look at magazine covers and models. Like this is the ideal that you have to fit into. And it's like hammered home over and over again. But if we can get to a point where we go, we dig in and find out that, that intrinsic motivation and, we start to unpack those feelings. It's, it is feeling. So it's not that there's a, you know, that there, it's not that a number is going to unlock this, you know, secret to happiness or fulfillment. It's how you feel. And so then it becomes about the actual behaviors. And if you can get the client to get there on their own, like, oh, if I were to eat better food, my mood would be better. If I were to um, you know, be disciplined in my workouts, I'd feel better, I'd feel stronger and more capable, I'd have more energy throughout the day. And all of a sudden, it's about the actual behaviors and actions that are tied to those feelings that they're really after. And it almost becomes um, not even about the weight. And then typically as a byproduct, when you stack those actions on top of each other, the weight becomes, you know, something that happens naturally on its own. But um, shifting out of that focus is is a challenge, like I said, because of what we're up against in the diet industry, where it's like, lose weight fast, get results in 30 days, you know, feel your best in six weeks and 
get off that unwanted belly fat. Like the messaging is so much about weight focused. And, uh, and I think that it's almost caused a, you know, kind of the pendulum to swing hard in the other direction where we have things like the health at every size movement. We could do a whole podcast on, on all these different things. But like, um, I think getting there to, um, to connect that, that, client drive that motivation to that feeling and the behavior change that will uh, that will cause them to feel better uh, is such I think that is like the ultimate challenge as a coach um, so what are some ways that that you might you know first of all do you agree and then second is that something that you try and work through with your clients and what are some strategies that you use yeah um, I definitely agree it's interesting you bring up the healthy at every size stuff I actually did um, a research study during my PhD program where we use some of the messaging from the book itself I don't know if you've actually read the book um, by Linda Bacon but um, it's interesting because it's fantastic on one end that it kind of breaks away any kind of like shame or blame that these people who are like are overweight feel like saying like it's okay like that's just like most of this is genetics. Like you're fine. Like as long as you're like healthy, like according to like most of your like blood markers, like you're good to go. Um, everyone can be healthy at a different size. That's this whole message, um, which is interesting and good for that to that degree. But at the same time it is, and this is where like our mindset stuff would come into play. It's basically eliciting a fixed mindset in those people because now that they're like, Oh, this is just like genetics. This is just the way I am. And I can like move on with my life. Great. They feel better. And that's important. Like that's definitely important. But now that they're of this like fixed mindset that they can't change the behaviors that they would need to change are also lost. So why eat healthy? Why exercise? Why take care of myself if it's not going to make a difference anyway? So it becomes kind of like this double-edged sword then where if we are encouraging a growth mindset about body weight in individuals, we run the risk of them feeling like very responsible because they are being told that they are in control of their weight. So someone who is like overweight could lose a few pounds or a lot of pounds. Um, If you can get to the point of encouraging them that they can change, like they have the ability to do that and they now believe this in themselves, that's great because they can go and do the things that they would need to to lose weight and those behaviors become something that actually makes sense. But now they're sitting with this like guilt, this blame, the, the shame that they feel because if they are able to not be obese or if they are able to lose weight, that means it is their fault that they currently are overweight and are like running risk for all of these like chronic illnesses and stuff. So it becomes a very delicate, like, how do we do this? How do we say, yes, you can do it. Yes, lose the weight. Yes, it's in your control. You have responsibility. You have power without them being like, oh my God, that's, that's my fault that I look like this now. Um, and that's kind of like the tricky messaging that we're working with in general right now, especially like in marketing and everything, um, because the growth mindset is extremely powerful. And we see it in so many different domains from like intelligence to entrepreneurship to weight loss. Um, and it's just all over the place and it's really powerful, but that comes with, when it comes to weight loss, it comes with this like caveat, like, let's be careful though. Let's not make them feel too bad about themselves because that's not good too. That can spiral into body dissatisfaction, depression, anxiety, yada, 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 yada. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like what I found in my research as far as that goes. Um, I might've gone on a bit of a tangent. No, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you went in that direction. And and that summary was perfect. I think uh, it's true that first of all, there's very concrete evidence that fat shaming 
actually has the adverse effect when it comes to losing weight. So we know that to be true. And just as being like good humans, it's not okay to fat shame. So if we could get to a point where we did eliminate the, you know, weight stigma and weight bias, then that would be amazing. Uh, Unfortunately, we're a long way from that. And I think that movements like health at every size, that messaging is important for that reason. Um, But I do think sometimes, like you said, um, it can get taken to the point where we're creating this fixed mindset, uh, which doesn't really help. And it becomes this, this kind of cycle of, you know, I, I believe that this is true. So then my behaviors and actions follow suit. And then now I think poorly about myself. And it's just this like cycle that keeps repeating. Um, so I want to kind of dive into the growth versus fixed mindset. First, let's just set the framework for like what that looks like. And then what we know as far as how that can impact somebody's um, belief, like let's just kind of establish what is fixed versus growth mindset. And then I want to I want to start talking about how we can take somebody from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset with trying to you know, be cautious about like, we want that growth mindset to be about empowerment and, you know, you know, you have the choice. That doesn't mean that if you don't choose to take action, that you're a bad person or that you should feel guilty or shameful. Um, So let's just start to kind of, you know, open up that discussion. Yeah, definitely. So like going back to what even is growth versus fixed mindset. So mindset is really all over the place these days. I swear half the people who are like, like nutrition coaches are also mindset coaches, or you see mindsets this or growth mindset that, or like don't have a fixed mindset. Um, and it's interesting for me because coming from like, I literally worked in the mindset lab. Like that was the name of my lab for four and a half years. Um, so now see this kind of becoming so prevalent in this other space, right? So now we're going like my like fun, like health and fitness space. And then like my research space weren't ever overlapping so much. Um, and with this, like they really are. Um, some people do it well, in my opinion, some people are just like, like saying mindset because it's a fun buzzword. Um, so you are one of the people that definitely do it well. So thank you, Mike. Um, but as far as kind of like breaking down fixed versus growth, all of this research really started in academics. So the majority of the research is done, um, originally by Dr. Carol Dweck and people might recognize her name. She has the great book about mindsets. Um, And she talks a lot about her research in there and the research that's kind of stemmed from that um, with growth mindsets of intelligence kind of being the main focal point there. Um, And what we've learned through countless studies is that having a growth mindset of intelligence for um, students is not only better for like their grades and like the grades that they get on their projects or like end of the year type grades, but also just because they become better students. They, they want to learn. They want to figure out what the wrong answer was so that they can now become like a better student. And it's just like opened up this huge door to like, I think a lot of times they'll even go into like kindergarten classrooms and they'll have like growth mindset posters up there now. Um, but it's become, become really, really big um, in the academic space. And because of that, and there's, like I said, tons and tons of studies cited thousands of times. Um, because of that, people started to perk their ears up and say, okay, where else can this work? Where else is growth mindset of whatever important? And as it turns out, a lot of places. (laughs) So um, I kind of came into the mindset lab with the idea that I really wanted to study health behavior change and see how um, I can bring mindsets into that. So that was kind of um, my area of focus while I was in school and focusing mostly on how growth versus fixed mindsets makes a difference for health behavior changes. 
like specifically. Um, so when it comes to like the difference between a growth and a fixed mindset, people using like examples from health and fitness here, um, people who have a fixed mindset about weight loss in general, they don't think that they can change their weight. Going back to this previous example, they think it might be due to genetics and they're just kind of stuck the way they are. Um, any kind of like criticism that they get, whether it's like positive or negative, they'll are much more likely to push it off. Um, so if someone's like, oh, well, have you tried like this diet or this exercise, or maybe you would like doing this better. So that would actually make you like more successful. Um, whereas someone with a growth mindset about losing weight, they would take in that information, use that and think like, okay, here's another idea. Maybe I should try that. Um, instead of just being like, no, 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 like that won't work for me. Um, and then also people with a fixed mindset are going to be much more likely to believe that their effort actually goes somewhere. So again, if you don't believe that you can change, putting in any effort kind of seems like fruitless, like what's the point? Um, whereas someone with a growth mindset about losing body weight, they would think, okay, I just need to put in more effort. I just need to find the right strategies that work for me and we'll get there eventually. Um, and something that you actually mentioned in your talk, which I've got to go back and listen, thanks to your lovely girlfriend, <laughs> since I had to leave on Sunday, um, you talked about just like this idea of not yet. Um, and that's really important in both teaching a growth mindset and also just like understanding it for yourself is that like, just because you haven't lost all that weight yet doesn't mean you won't ever. So it's just like finding the right, again, going back to like the right strategies for you, um, the right time. And then also just being patient and waiting because it just hasn't happened yet for you doesn't mean it won't ever. Um, and again, like going back to like, it's been 15 years to get you to this spot. It's been three months. Like it just hasn't happened yet. Like it started, you can see the progress, um, to just like kind of be patient with that. Um, and I think some of the other stuff too is people with a fixed mindset are much more likely just to like give up much easier. Um, especially in the face of setbacks, we see a lot of that in the academic literature specifically for weight loss and setbacks and how mindsets make a difference there. So people with a growth mindset are going to be more likely to persist in the face of setbacks. Um, so if things get in the way of like their weight loss goals, they're going to be much more likely to still make it to the gym to still bring their lunch um, instead of going out to eat. Like they're still going to like find a way to make it happen. Whereas people with a fixed mindset are so much quicker to just throw in the towel and be like, oh, this didn't work. It must mean that nothing works. It must mean that I'm horrible and I can't do this. And it's just like over from there. Um, so having a growth mindset kind of at the outset of your goals and then as you're like kind of operating on your goals and then also eventual goal achievement, like it comes in at every single spot. So really getting to that um place is really important. Yeah. So since you brought up my, my talk at the Impact Collective, I want to bring up another example because Jill Coleman, when she was doing her presentation, she mentioned something about when she hits a, has a setback or when something comes up that, you know, it didn't go as planned or whatever. She views it as a puzzle that needs to be figured out. And like, my initial thought was like, holy growth mindset. Like she was up there so confident, like, like literally she's like, anytime this happens, I think of this as like a fun little puzzle that I have to figure out. So she doesn't get frustrated. She doesn't get discouraged. She's like, all right, how can I piece this puzzle together? And that was like, initially just hit me in the face. I was like, wow, that is somebody who has like the most epic growth mindset right there. And then I'm trying to like internalize that and think like, how can I apply that to my business when something, when I'm struggling with something, how can I view it more? as a puzzle and take that mindset. Um, so one, you sent me an article that you wrote, which I loved, and there was some really cool studies in there about growth mindset and the impact on weight loss. And something that I thought was so powerful was, and, and hopefully you can give me like 
you can just recap the whole study for me if, if you know what I'm talking about here. The, um, where we had a group of people who basically read something that was like an article that promoted more of a growth mindset. So it was basically like, you know, your weight loss is within your control, blah, blah, blah. Like it kind of made them think more growth mindset um, oriented. And then there was another group that kind of read an opposite article that was like, you know, we are who we are, our genetics determine our weight, and there's nothing we can do to change it. Um, and then the results of that study with the one group um, being able to have much more success in their weight loss efforts after reading the growth mindset article versus the fixed mindset. So can you just kind of run through what that looked like? Yeah, so I can't remember what specific study that is, because I think I put a bunch in that long article. You definitely did. I will say, say, um, so the work that we've done in my lab and what other people do as well as far as mindset research goes, coming down to like the fixed versus growth stuff and really trying to pick that apart and see what people do differently based on what mindset they have, that like very basic manipulation of having them just read an article works amazing, which is crazy. Like the fact that we can have someone sit down and read a very, there's short articles I can send them to you. Um, There are short articles that have them sit down and read through them. And then we'll usually do some sort of like distraction task or something in between. So they don't realize that we're like trying to teach them something and then apply it. Um, So do something in between to kind of separate those things. But just the fact of like reading those articles that do they're based off of usually like psychology today type articles. Um, so they seem legit. We cite like research in there. Um, some of the research is real, some of it's not. Um, but anyway, so they read these short articles and that is enough to shift their, their mindset to be more growth oriented or more fixed oriented in just reading an article. And in doing that, we actually see different patterns of behavior change down the line um, in those studies specifically. So for example, um, one of the studies, I think I talked about this one, it was one of my own. Um, I was looking at exercise frequency and the difference in mindsets when it comes to that. Um, So what I specifically did was like had people fill out like a growth mindset sort of assessment form had them do like this big, long, arduous distraction task so they didn't have any idea what, that this had anything to do with mindsets. Um, and then at the end, had them talk about like their exercise behaviors, their frequency and everything like that. What I found was people who exercised more in the past are those that also have a more growth mindset about their fitness levels, their ability to become a more fit individual, um, and all of those things. So that like makes sense, right? So I did it again to replicate it just to see like, okay, is this really real? Is this how we're seeing things? Um, But this time had them kind of reflect on their intentions for exercise in the future. So again, those people who had a more growth mindset about their exercise behaviors, about their ability to become a more fit person, if they had a more growth mindset around those things, they were also more likely to intend to exercise more frequently in the future than those who had a fixed mindset regarding exercise. So we see that a lot. And um, again, with like kind of the manipulation using the articles and stuff, that was the third study after that. Um, I did exactly that, had people come in. um, We rated their mindsets at first, had them go through the article manipulation. So half the people read the fixed mindset, half the people read the growth mindset article, um, did the distraction task, and then asked them some more questions um, later on and found the same thing. So not only is it like your naturally occurring mindsets that are important, but the fact that we can manipulate them too, and that still matters is huge. 
Um, and it's really important too, because like as coaches or as people who are putting content out on Instagram, like it's just a really big reminder that like what you say makes an impact and like keeping in mind that like something as simple as just like explaining to someone that they can change something or they can't change something like that could, they could take that with them the rest of the day. And that could change why they do something or do not do something. Um, and what's interesting too, is that like all of this stuff is like within a lab setting, right? So this is happening we're measuring their mindsets or we're manipulating their mindsets and then we're measuring their like exercise behaviors after the fact. Um, so like, okay, that's great. But this is all happening within like the course of a few hours. Like what happens if, can you have someone read an article and that holds for the next like year? Um, it's harder obviously to do those kinds of studies because it requires more time. Um, but we do know from like a couple different domains, I think it was, they were looking at mindsets of intelligence or mindsets of personality, rather. It was mindsets of personality, um, and they manipulated that their mindsets of personality using this online intervention and measured their change in mindset at the end compared to the beginning, and there was a significant change towards more growth-oriented. Um, so people believing that they can change their like personalities, they can be a nicer person, they can be a better person, um, and then measured that again nine months later, and it was the same still. So in that case, we saw some like long-term results. And again, it's hard to do in research, but there is some good indication that it lasts beyond that kind of just like immediate lab setting. Yeah, I love that. That your takeaway was similar to mine in that what we consume is so important. So like when you're not just as people who are putting out content on Instagram, but when you're consuming content on something like right. Instagram or anywhere, social media, what you're reading, uh, you have control over that environment. When you know we talk about environment, that includes the stuff that you choose to read and consume. And since you have control over that, it would probably stand to reason that you should surround yourself with content that gives you more of a growth mindset that makes you feel better about yourself, that puts you in the driver's seat and, and makes you feel in control. So um, I thought that the most powerful part of you know reading through your article is the fact that even somebody coming in with a previously fixed mindset had you know such a profound impact when they read the growth mindset article and then it was all of a sudden like one simple article could change somebody from more fixed to more growth and the impact that that had on their likelihood to make a lasting change uh, so Let's talk about that. Somebody who does have a fixed mindset, where do we begin to transition them uh, to try and promote more of a growth mindset? Mm -hmm. And I guess it depends, like if you're coming at, like if you are a coach and helping someone get to a more growth oriented pl like place, or if you're looking for something more personal development, like I want to work on my growth mindset. Um, obviously the way you kind of like take these strategies is going to change depending on that. Um, but the kind of like baseline strategies to use um, are kind of the same. So I, in my dissertation project, built an online intervention. And I know people hear intervention and don't realize like what it actually means. They think someone's like sitting you down in a room and making you stop like drinking. <laughs> but intervention in the research is basically just like an online program that I created um, with the intention that it was to increase growth mindsets in obese children and adolescents to believe that they can change their body weight and that they can eat healthier over time. So I created this online program. Um, had them do it. They ran through some assessments at the front and at the end. So we can kind of assess to see what the differences were there. Um, and in building this program, I had to obviously put in a great amount of different strategies to actually produce a more growth mindset um, in these young individuals. So um, some of the like baseline things that are used um, 
are often obviously just like reading some of the science that's out there is huge. Um, even for like kids, right. I had like 12 to 15 year olds, I believe. Um, just telling them like the basic brain science that exists. So like neuroplasticity, right. Your mind is always changing. Your brain is always making new connections. Just like teaching them that is huge. So, and that can go for like adults too. The fact that you can like, literally your brain is so different now than it was like yesterday. And you're constantly like creating these new connections that will lead to new habits or new behaviors or new ways of thinking. Um, and just knowing that simple fact that like on a neurological level, your brain is changing and there's actually a place in your brain where like growth mindset kind of hides and we can talk about that too. Um, but just that idea, right? Getting that out there, that's a big, big strategy. So understanding that, read more about it, um, learn more about it. And that can be really helpful both if you're teaching it as a coach or if you are someone who's looking to increase their growth mindset in some specific like ability, skill, category, domain, whatever. Um, in addition to that, we include a lot of like writing activities and that can be really great because people are all about journaling these days. I am too. It's super helpful. Um, lots of research on journaling itself too, just as far as like feeling better, having a more productive day, things like that. Um, but you can use some of these like writing activities as journal prompts if you would want to. Um, and what some of those kind of look like is, okay, so you have a friend who is in this situation. They don't think that they can change their behavior. They don't think they can get out of it. Um, how do you, what would you tell this person? What would you tell them to make them feel better and maybe start working towards making that change? And just the simple fact of them having to explain it to someone else. It's almost like, you know, how they say like the best way to learn something is to teach it. Same kind of thing there. Like you're giving advice to someone else when that's actually maybe the issue that you have in the back of your mind. And in doing so that kind of like teaches you without someone like having to tell you, um, it kind of teaches you that you can also do those things. Um, and then also similarly on that same like writing exercise, we do what it's called. Um, I think it's like Dear Emily, Dear John, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's basically like Dear Abby or whatever. Like you're talking to a specific person. You're supposed to write like in um, for younger kids. What we would do is they're supposed to write to new kids who are coming in, like transitioning into middle school from elementary school, like write to them and explain to them, like all the things that they're going to come at, like challenges they're going to face, but how they can come over it, like their experiences. And in doing that, that just starts to like get their gears turning that they could change. They've made this change before. They're providing advice to someone else who has made a change. So like, why can't they continue to make changes in their lives? So to some degree, mindsets are very domain specific. So just because you have a growth mindset in exercise, you believe you can become stronger, um, doesn't necessarily mean you have a growth mindset when it comes to healthy eating. You don't think you can change your eating habits. However, there is somewhat of a baseline here where it's just like if you look back on your past successes and see that like you did something and now you're explaining that to someone else, like it just opens up like the doors in your brain to be like, oh yeah, I did that. Like I can do other things now, um, which is where I think we kind of connect and all the people we like surround ourselves now on like health and fitness in general, because it brings about like this discipline and this like passion and just like enjoyment and something that you have to like put effort forth every single day. And that bleeds over into other aspects of your life too. So I think to some degree, just like having more and more growth mindsets about more and more and more things is going to make it easier for you to have a growth mindset about something that you might have been fixed about before. Um, although there is a little bit of like a barrier when jumping from like one domain to the other.
Yeah. And that was literally going to be my next question about if, you know, if you can be growth mindset in one aspect and fixed mindset in another. Uh, but I think, like you said, having that experience to draw off of. And, you know, it's funny when you hear things like, you know, journaling and meditation and, you know, some of these woo-woo practices, which I have fully embraced now, but uh, sometimes <laughs> it's almost become now more of like, buzzword cliche that people are like, yeah, well, this is how you should start your morning. And this is, you should definitely meditate and journal every day. But I think having a reason to, to do it and to connect those dots to be like, sometimes you just need to reflect. Because if you think about it, if you just draw off a of past experience, you can find something that you've gotten better at that you, you know, there was a, a roadblock that you were able to power through. There was, uh, you know, a hurdle you were able to climb over. There was something that came up where you had to be adaptive, you had to figure it out and you had to make it work and you've improved because of it. You put in more reps, you figured it out, you just made it happen. And we oftentimes are just in so much like put my blinders on and go straight ahead uh, that we, we lose sight of what we've actually accomplished and what we've been able to do and drawing off of that past experience. Like, yeah, I did this in this area. Of course I can do this over here. Um, and I know that's, that's helped me as I, you know, transitioned. I had, you know, before starting my business, I would say that I had a very fixed mindset in entrepreneurship. I can never say that word right. I'm going to try it again. Um, but I had a very growth mindset in my fitness. And um, so I was like, you know what? I've been able to show discipline. I've been able to work hard. I've been able to show up each day and, and be consistent and figure out some really rough patches. Like I went through everything that you can imagine when it comes to health and fitness. So being able to pull from that, like I can do that within my business. I can, you know, I can figure this out, even though I didn't have the experience of running my own business or, um, you know, whatever the case may be, but being able to just sit back and reflect sometimes is, is so important. Um, so I love that. Um, now I think that, you know, that the, just the tactical advice that you give is, is super helpful for people who, um, you know, I think just becoming aware, creating that awareness, I say, is the first step. And then being able to realize that, you know what, maybe I am more fixed mindset that doesn't make me a bad person. Um, this is just, you know, for whatever reason, like I talked about, uh, you know, having a high school teacher tell me that I was a bad writer and that became my fixed mindset that I couldn't change. Um, and all of a sudden one day it just like broke out of it. And I was like, why, why am I, why did I believe this for so long? I've never actually tried since then to like really get better at writing. So of course I'm not in, and it's just, you never know when somebody's external words are going to become your internal thoughts. And, um, the first step is being aware of it. And then once you have that awareness, now we can kind of draw off of experience and, and make those changes. Um, so I, I love your take on, on all of that. Um, are there any other aspects like when it comes to commonalities that you see with like creating long-term sustainable behavior change that it's like, most of these people, like if we look at the five percenters who are successful at losing weight and keeping it off, um, do you see common uh, traits when it comes to like how they process things, um, you know, from, from a mental standpoint, from a mindset standpoint that is you know, obviously everybody's different, but like some things that we can point to, like, you know, they've, they kind of have this one thing in common, so we should pay attention to that and try and lean into that aspect. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, obviously, as we've been talking about this, having a growth mindset is mm -hmm. one way to kind of ensure that you might have that um, sustainable change, because as you do run into 
roadblocks or some sort of obstacles. Like, yeah, you could fall off for a little bit, but it's just like a week. It's just a drop in the ocean. You can like keep going again. Um, and then obviously continuing to like learn and just like find new strategies, find new methods to do things. Like a lot of times I think, um, as far as like weight loss goes or building muscle, like we just like get bored and that's normal. Um, just like looking to see what else is out there without being like, Oh, that works for that girl. It's like definitely going to work for me or like, Oh, that BOSU ball exercise thing. That's, that's going to be my like ticket to the six pack this year. Um, like doing like consume that information, but like with the grain of salt that like it might not work for you, but like bring it all in, consume all the information and then kind of like try things out. Keep trying new strategies until it's like, okay, this will work for a little while. I'll probably get bored of it, but like, let's go here for a while. Um, and just like trying to keep that um, different, right? Whether it's even just like changing your rep range or adding like a different metric based movement to your training program, like just something to kind of keep things going, um, I think is really important. And that all comes down to having a growth mindset because you think that like, as long as I just like move some stuff around, like I'll be good. And we'll just like keep on progressing, which people do like for years and years and years. Um, so I think that's really important. And then what's kind of like hidden within all of that is something else that you talked about um, in Scottsdale at the conference was just like focusing on the process, right? Um, and when you you said that, I was like, yep, that's growth mindset. <laughs> um, one thing that we see in the research very, very often is that, again, the difference between growth and fixed mindset is just like where people like pay attention to things. Um, and this even spans back again to like the earlier days of mindset research with academics, looking at parenting strategies even. So how parents kind of um, either praised their children for like the process to getting like, say, an A plus on their spelling test um, versus praising them for getting an A plus on their spelling test. So um, the parents who would be like, oh, like you got an A, that's fantastic. You must have worked so hard to get there. You must have tried so many different things to like figure out what works for you to get to earn that A instead of being like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. You're the smartest kid out there. You're way smarter than Susan's kids. Like all of that, like that, that will only elicit a fixed mindset in that child as they grow up. And that's what we've seen is like, even at those early stages, that's when that kind of starts to cultivate, whether you're on kind of the more growth mindset track for things or fixed mindset track for things. And I think that that can also then be translated into what we're doing today. So focusing more on like, okay, that workout was really hard. I got through it. I feel good now. No, I'm not down to my 10 pound like weight loss goal yet, but like that felt good. I feel good that I accomplished it. And this is like, things are going in the right direction and being excited about that, celebrating the small wins. Like that's something I do with my clients all the time when they get down on themselves for being like, oh, I'm not there yet kind of thing. Um, it's just like, take a step back. Look, like you're not binge eating anymore. That's huge. You've been binge eating for the last five years. Like, look what you're doing. Like you're eating so much healthier. You've hit your fiber goal every single day this week and you've never done that before. Like just like focusing on those like little things like, hey, we're getting there. Like we really are. It might just not be at the rate that you're like, like comfortable with, but we can also get to that rate if you were to do X, Y, Z, or if you're to continue being successful like you have been. Um, and just like really focusing on, like you said, the process rather than like the outcome specifically, it's good to have a little bit of like, oh, I have this goal out here that I want to achieve. Like that's always good to have, but don't spend a lot of time there. Don't spend a lot of time just focusing on that goal all the time. Um, it's good, like put it on a sticky note, put it somewhere. Maybe you don't even probably need to look at it every day, honestly. 
Like, I think that's where things get kind of confused, like on social media too. It's like, oh, like write down your goals and like, hey, plaster them all over the wall and like focus on that, focus on that, focus on that. But when in reality, I think what's more important as far as like cultivating this growth mindset and kind of sticking to your goals in the long run is focusing on the small wins that come with the process towards that goal. And then all of a sudden you'll get to that goal and it's like, great, now I'm here. Now what? Right. So focusing on the process there allows you like those successes and to feel great on your way to that goal. So it's not just like, oh, you reached your goal and now it's over. It's like, no, I had this fantastic run of things and I learned all this stuff about myself and now I can like, like plow on and do even more from there. Yeah. And that's why I was so excited to have you on the show because we're speaking the same language. And that was such a, I never even tied that together with the process oriented people being more growth mindset and the outcome oriented people being more fixed, but it makes perfect sense. And then if you think about it, like look at just all the diets that are out there and, and the shit that we're willing to put up with for the sake of an outcome you know, it's like, I mean, I, I could rattle off some of the crazy stuff that I've done and some of my clients like come to me, you know, where it's 800 calories a day, cabbage soup diet, um, you know, zero, literally had a client that was like prescribed 225 grams of protein as a female and zero carb, zero fat. That was her prescription. And like the stuff that we're putting ourselves through in the name of an outcome. And I was, you know, the biggest culprit of that. Um, but it's like, if we could just take a step back and focus on the process, if we're going to hang sticky notes, let's make them process oriented goals. Right. Like I am going to follow these actions every single day and then check them off as I complete them and, and feel good about what I'm doing. Think about that. Um, and, and we would eliminate all of the crazy stuff because we would never put up with it. If we were really truly invested in the process and enjoying that, we would never put up with that shit just for the sake of trying to hit some arbitrary number. Um, so I agree with you having it kind of like out there in the distance as a target. Like this is something that I'd like to accomplish, but I know that the path to get there is by taking care of the stuff I need to do every single day. That's going to be the path to that and, you know, goal. And then even if I don't hit it exactly, which I, you know, sometimes we don't have as much control over that, that outcome as we think we do. So it's like, let's just put it out there. Let's set that goal. And then let's really zero in on the action steps and the process that it takes to achieve it. So I love that. Um, and that's a perfect place to kind of start to wrap things up. Um, you have a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, people should definitely connect with you. So if you want to just like shout out what's, what's coming up, where should people follow you, connect with you and all that good stuff? Yeah. So I do my own one-on-one -on -one coaching. So right now, the majority of what I do is one-on-one -on -one coaching with clients. Um, however, there's a lot of fun stuff on the horizon that I'm actually doing with Sam. You mentioned Mr. Miller Science <laughs> earlier today. Um, so Sam, Sam is my boyfriend and is also a very good friend of Mike's. And we are putting together a program for coaches that will be launching very, very soon in 2020 um, with the goal being like teaching coaches these kinds of things, right? About like how to change a client's mindset, how to get them to be more adherent and sustain these things for a long time, how to talk to your clients, how to ask the right questions to like elicit behavior change in your clients. So I'm really excited to kind of bring my research and expertise out of my own coaching and actually be able to share that with other coaches. Um, and then Sam's background obviously is in more like hormone science and physiology. So we'll be kind of bringing those together too and tying those um, and finding the connections between our two worlds as well. So I think that'll be really cool. So be on the lookout for that. 
Um, I just changed my Instagram name. So I'm now Coach Casey Joe. <laughs> um, I previously used to focus on just posting food pics all the time because I was scared to post gym selfies. And obviously that's like all I do now. Um, so I was Casey Joe Eats Well, but I am now just at Coach Casey Joe. Awesome. Perfect. I'm excited for the collaboration with you and Sam. I think your areas of expertise complement each other so well, and it's a much needed resource for coaches. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and everybody should definitely go follow Casey and check out all the stuff that she's got going on. So um, I really appreciate your time. This was like, I could talk mindset for hours. Unfortunately, I have another call that I have to jump on, but we could have literally gone for like three more hours. Yeah, this whole time I've been like in my head, like, okay, that's like, we could talk about habit change or we could talk about like procrastination or we could talk about like all of these yeah. things. Yeah. So for sure. Maybe another time. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely have to do a round two. And if Sam's back there, tell him that we have to do a round three. So <laughs> he's already <laughs> been on twice. So you have to catch up and then we'll get him his third one. All right. Well, thanks for joining. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike, uh, for having me. Hey, right, talk to you soon.